your words against mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. I'm your co-host, Elizabeth Connor. And I'm Thomas Dempsey. <clears throat> and... Uh, now, now, you should be uh, up to speed with us somewhat uh, after last week's special episode. I don't know. Remember? I had a lot happen since last week. Yeah, that's fair. We can cover some of that real quick if you'd like. Sure. All right. <laughs> oh, where did Elizabeth I... got COVID again. Yeah, so, um, let me... So, I, I guess... Let me take it from the top. Um... Yeah. My stepson was in a car accident. Woof. Yeah. He was Which fine. Which happened before our last episode, technically. Actually, but we didn't really it talk did. It. I, yeah, actually, it did talk. It did happen um, before our last episode, but uh, it happened like the day before we recorded it, and like we knew about it, but yeah. Anyway, um, so we have been dealing with insurance and and all that stuff, and and he's fine. He he was not hurt. Um, he did go to the hospital to get checked out, but like that was that was it. He's he's fine. Um, That's good. So there was that. My dog broke her or tore her ACL. Woof. Oh, I mean, that's rough. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um. So basically, the vet said you can't like it can heal on its own. Um. My dog is almost seven years old, so she's now classified as an aged dog. Okay. And, um, so they were like, it it can heal on its own. She'll just have some fairly severe arthritis issues in that, like, in that joint. Um, or you can do this surgery that'll cost you between three and four thousand dollars. Oof. So, um, we haven't made a decision about that yet. Okay. And, uh, oh, and, and yeah, I, I got COVID again. Yeah. I thought it was allergies. Yeah. I mean, that's what we've been dealing with seemingly because I know we were on that trip together. So you'd assume if you'd gotten COVID while we were out and about, then I would have gotten it as well. Yeah. But, uh, both me and mom tested for it and neither of us tested positive, so... And like honest, and like my symptoms were so mild because I mean I basically like just took Dayquil and went about my day. Um, right. I I mean I felt the same as if I you know had a sinus infection or had seasonal allergies. Um, sure. But then like Brian got fairly sick, like pretty sick, and sicker than I did, and he was actually yeah. running a fever. So he tested, and when he tested positive, I was like, oh, let me get tested, and then I tested positive. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, it was it's rough, but I'm we're glad y'all are feeling better now at least. Yeah, um I'm going back to work tomorrow. Okay. So uh the the protocol yeah. that my school district currently has in place, um I can go back tomorrow. I can go back to work tomorrow as long as I wear a mask. All right. Now is this your last week of school this year? It is. Um my last day with students will be on Thursday, and then we have a teacher work day on Friday. Cool. Yeah. Well, that'll be neat. 
and uh, leave, I'm sure that'll leave us with a lot more stuff to talk about next time. Yep. But uh, anything else going on? Uh, thankfully, that's it. Yeah. It's been pretty quiet around these parts. Uh, got Oh, I got my cat spayed on Monday. A uh, little feisty. And, uh, and she uh, recovered from that pretty well. Our last cat, Flash, when she got spayed, she was pretty well zonked on pain meds for a day or so. But Feisty was right back at it. And uh, she ended up taking her back this Thursday to get her stitches removed. Oh, but, okay. Uh, she hadn't, she hadn't really been having any complaints. It seems. Well, that's good. At least not from the uh, spaying. Uh, one thing that another thing that happened this week was we got uh, new tiles or new shingles put on our roof. So basically, from Wednesday to Saturday, we had. Uh, guys just stomping around and hammering on our seat, uh, roof yeah and that drove the cats fairly wild the first couple days it happened but then i guess they kind of got accustomed to it so they weren't as on edge those last couple of days right all right but that uh was something we needed to be doing certainly for insurance purposes but also i think it'd been a while since these last shingles we'd gotten had been put on so Right. Yep. Uh, it was good to get it done. It was a friend of the family who uh, runs a company, does that. I think he said they were looking to only do tiled roofs from then on. Rather, Or they're going to be moving away from shingles. Mm-hmm. So we're probably going to be one of the last houses they do like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So happy to have that done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that basically brings us up to speed, uh, major life event-wise. Yep. And I know last week we said we were going to keep this one pretty short, just to not overwhelm ourselves. Right. So, uh, let's see. I guess as far as reading goes, uh, you've been doing anything non-challenge related? Yeah, I read four books um, that were not challenge related. Two of them were from the same series. Okay. They were all relatively short. Well, you want to talk about those first, and then we can uh, cover the challenge after a break? Yeah. Um, so, the first book that I read, <clears throat> I, I guess it's called Zion. It's X-Z-I-O-N. Sure. So, Zion. Um, a Hexonian Alien Abduction Romance by Charmaine Ross. It's got a number one on it, so I don't know if that means it's the first one. Um, yeah. It's been... I, I read this, like, right after our last regular episode. Um, okay. And and basically, girl gets abducted. Uh, a, a, an alien, Zion, uh, is... Uh, at least I think that's what his name is. It's been a while. Uh, he is part of like his species, like he's part of his species, like a uh, military or police force. Yeah. Uh, so, and he's orbit and he's like kind of over in like earth sector and, and, you know, the, the same rules that have applied in a couple of other sci-fi books that I've read apply in this one where like 
Earth is considered to be too primitive to like bring into the fold of uh, intergalactic politics. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, she got she got abducted. He realized she got abducted. He goes to rescue her. They get stranded on an island, or not an island, a planet. Yep. Uh, nefarious things are happening, and they fall in love, and that's kind of it. Okay. Um, so that, I mean, like, it was fine. It was, and it was a very, very short book. I think it was like 60 something pages. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was the first one. The second one I read, I really, really enjoyed this one. Uh, and I just haven't gotten the, it's the first in a, in a trilogy and I just haven't gotten the other two books yet. Um, it's called Three Deadly Trials by V.S. Winters. And it is the first book in the Battle for the Dark King series. Um, so basically, uh, this is like, this is like a fae realm type book and, and this is where, uh, you have the fae king, uh, and, and a member of, and a female member of all of the other, like, races of fae, um, sure have to compete in something called the devotion trials and whoever is the winner is who he will marry and they will become queen of the fae okay so our main character whose name escapes me at this present moment um she is of she is a member of the witches yeah in this realm but she never knew it like she never knew that her mom was you know a very high ranking or like was like the queen of the coven like she had no freaking clue um Uh. and then a demon shows up on earth and is like you have to go with me and she's like what are you talking about and anyway she goes and she has to compete in these trials and like uh and and witches are very much um people are very much prejudiced against witches uh they don't trust them because they can they're like they're neither they're neither light fay nor dark fay they're just they kind of deal in the gray and basically yeah. like in this world if you deal in the gray then you just can't be trusted okay so anyway she kind of establishes herself she does find out that she's got some powers and and she and the main character like they fall in love um and then there's a there's a cliffhanger at the end obviously because you know you got two more books to go sure and like I really did like this book. The only the only thing I oh I the only thing I didn't like was at the beginning of the book, the author describes the Fay Prince who later becomes the king, who, you know, all these mm-hmm. women are fighting over. She describes him as having espresso colored skin. Mm-hmm. The model that she used for her cover is white. Oh, and I I've could heard not about that sort of thing. And, and I could not reconcile the description she gave in the book to the picture that was in my mind because of the model on the cover. Yeah. And that bothered me like right. the whole time. Hmm. So anyway, but uh, otherwise it w- you enjoyed it. Otherwise I enjoyed it. I do plan on uh, moving on to the next two books in the series. Um, and then the last two books I read were part of the same series. The first one is called Lord of Winter. And then the second one is King of Frost. 
Um, these are part of the Fae of Darkness series, and they're both written by Anna Kalin, or Anna yeah. Callen. Okay. This one's a little trippy. Because this book has to deal... This book is basically a retelling of The Little Mermaid. Yeah. But it also has fae characters. And it also has some Greek mythology in there. Okay. And they're all... And they all coexist. So... The king of ice, who is who is the male love interest, um, the king of ice, he is is king is he's obviously king of the ice or the winter fay, uh, but he is also one of the kings of hell. Okay. Because apparently there's two halves to hell. In order for it to be balanced, one is the typical like you know fire and brimstone one that's run by Lucifer. And then the other one is made out of ice. Okay. Because there has to be balance. Alright. Yeah. And and then... And then and the, the, the girl, whose name also escapes me, um, she, she, she ends up being... Um, uh, she, she ends up being a very, very important member of the Water Fae. Yeah. And and technically she's like uh, a demigod or a demigoddess. Yep. And I kid you not, in book two we are introduced to Ursula. Oh, okay. And it and anyway, it's it's oh it's kind of a roller coaster. There's like three more books in the series and I don't know if I wanna finish the series or not, because at this point I'm like I, I feel like this is all a little silly. Yeah. But I've also read the first two, so I feel like I have to commit. I don't know. Hmm. So anyway, that's what I've okay. read in addition to our challenge. All right. Yeah. Well, I haven't uh, finished anything else yet. But uh, I am looking forward to discussing our book for today. So I'll just take a break here. And when we get back, we'll start on our reading challenge. See you in a minute. All right. And we're back for our reading challenge discussion on this episode of Your Words Against Mine. Uh, Elizabeth was the one who issued this challenge. It uh, was in commemoration of Mother's Day, which uh, is... was. When is Mother's Day? It was like two weeks ago. Okay, yeah. I think I got it confused because I know Mom and Dad's anniversary was recently as well. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Because me and her went out to for dinner at the place in town. But, yeah, anyway, this was a Mother's Day-themed reading challenge. Elizabeth assigned us a book by one of our mother's favorite authors, Dorothea Benton Frank. And so for today's episode, we each were assigned to read Sullivan's Island, A Low Country Tale. And Elizabeth, uh, can I presume that you finished the book as well? I did, yes. All right. Was it a close call? Because I know you didn't get the book until last Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I finished it last night. 
Yeah, I finished it today. Yeah. I Although I read most of it by last night. I just had to get through the last chapter and the epilogue and stuff. Right. Right. But, yeah. And, uh, so, was this the first Dorothea Benton Frank you'd read? It was. Uh, I mean, it's her first novel, so it sort well, of works out. I, I, I don't know that it's her first novel. It... It might be, but I know it's the first book in this series. Okay, yeah, I, I was under the impression that it was her first, but I, um, I'm not seeing a, like, you know how some books will feature a list of other stories by the same author? Yeah. In, and, like, the front? I'm not seeing that on this edition, so I just presumed it was, like, her first one. But at any rate, yeah. So this was... Uh, well, why don't you, do you want to tell us about it, or shall I? Oh, I guess I was assigned... Uh, you were the one who issued the challenge, so right. I guess I could be the one to recap it. Um, so anyway, I looked it up, yes, and you were right. It was her first... It was her first novel. Oh, okie dokie. But it is the first in the series, and so mm -hmm. it's... It's very much sets itself up as a kind of the continuing adventures of yeah kind of premise it uh follows this uh w woman named susan who i guess lives in charleston yes she does yeah all right she lives in charleston with her husband tom and their daughter beth and at the very first chapter of the book she comes home early from work one day and finds tom in bed with another woman and they split up and the rest of the book is her sort of going through that sort of like re like her rediscovery of herself in the wake of this uh, event and the various people she sort of reaches out to and reconnects with and you get so you're getting like the more adult romance angle there mm -hmm. and this is interspersed with chapters from her past in the 60s yeah was it yep yeah the 1960s in uh on sullivan's island and the titular sullivan's island which is a community off the coast of uh charleston and and those stories are more like like uh sort of coming of age and uh historically influenced you know, it's set during the the uh, civil rights era and it references stuff like the JFK assassination and although weirdly not MLK assassination now that I think about it that that's nah. anyway so um, yeah there's a lot of period detail there and uh, I think a greater deal of specificity in terms of like the the like southern culture sort of vibe um so I looked it up just because I you said that about you know how it doesn't cover Martin Luther King and I thought that was a little strange too uh but kind of the flashback chapters they kind of end in like 64 no no Wait, 64? Oh, right. Because, uh, yeah, I guess M MLK was assassinated after that. Yeah, he was assassinated in 68. 
Okay, I'm sorry. I, for some reason, I, I, I think I might be confusing, because I know weren't he and ML and Mar Malcolm X assassinated fairly close together? Oh. Or maybe I'm thinking of um, who was the brother? Uh, JFK's brother. Robert Kennedy? Yeah, the Robert Kennedy. Yeah, I, I just know there was like some movie or book I read that sort of really emphasized like the close proximity of those two of, of two major assassinations in right. the 60s. Now, so yeah, that makes that makes a lot more sense. Now Malcolm X died um, or was assassinated in 65. 65. Okay, so it had to have been MLT and Robert Kennedy then. I think they both died around, or were, were both killed around the same time. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, yeah, so that settles that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess, let's see, do you want to just talk more about the books before getting into some of the, like, I guess, uh, elephants and such? Yeah, so, um... Okay. So, yeah, so Thomas basically covered, you know, the beginning premise of, like, Susan is going through some, some big life changes uh, with, you know, being newly single and having a teenage daughter and trying to, like, find herself because her, you know, like, who she was was very much defined when she was still married and now it's not. Um, and, and the flashback episodes or like the flashback chapters to when she was a child um, kind of do two things it kind of tell it kind of shows you like the the importance that Sullivan's Island has to her both you know it sets it up like this is why it was important to her both as a child and why it continues to be important to her as an adult because while she does not live on Sullivan's Island as an adult her older sister, still lives in the house that they grew up in with her family. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, there's sheep. So Susan goes to Sullivan's Island a lot, um, as an adult. And, yeah. um, and then there's also, I think her, her first biggest project that she chooses to take on is she wants to know what happened to her father because her father died. Um, you know, when they were, when they were kids, and you find out, like, a little bit later in the book that he died when, you know, she was, like, 13, 14. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's another reason for all of, like, the flashback chapters is is it, it's also showing you, like, who her father was, what he was involved in, why she maybe thinks that his death was not quite as clear-cut as they have been led to believe. Right. Although it's not, never really becomes a mystery novel. No, no, not at all. Yeah, that's more just like a a plot thread that the story dips in and out of on occasion. Yeah. Yep. But uh, yeah, so it's it's in there and hmm, and then of course I guess the other main uh, uh, point of that um, f those flashback stories is to chronicle her Susan and Susan's family's relationship with their uh, housekeeper Livy yep right so uh, throughout the 
pre well modern day chapters the book is set in 1999 and so throughout the modern day chapters you'll get these allusions to and references to the influence that uh, Livy a the black housekeeper for Susan's family the influence that she had on them the help she gave in raising them through uh, the few years that uh, they were living there mm -hmm. and um, and that's and then that's of course given a much greater emphasis in the flashback chapters because you're there when Susan first or uh, when Livy starts uh, working for them yep. and uh, all the times that she was there to like help the kids out or to like intervene during certain dramatic events uh-huh so the book definitely puts Livy forward as like a, a a heroic figure yep and um and also as kind of like a mystical figure yeah somewhat because um there are some like vague magical realist elements yeah. here and there that are especially brought to the fore in the like after in the epilogue yeah but that uh, are sort of alluded to throughout with uh, specifically Livy's uh, perspective on stuff like the afterlife. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I guess to sort of get into it, one aspect of this book, certainly in the present day, but uh, that just needs to be addressed is that uh, Dorothea Benton Frank is... Uh, a white woman mm -hmm. and she's making uh, she's writing about this character Livy who to various degrees seems to be based on a uh, person from her own life yeah yeah and then of course she's also writing about aspects of uh, South Carolina Gullah culture mm -hmm. that she was raised around yeah and it's it's basically just to sort of grab the bull by the horns a little bit of a rough parse in terms of like uh, like authorial voice vis-a-vis -vis like the subject matter uh-huh you essentially have a novel wherein a uh, reasonably well-off white woman is uh, sort of narrating uh, events and stories that might otherwise have a more like a greater significance from the black perspective mm -hmm. and uh, and it's never it never feels too gross I would say I mean there are a couple I mean okay there are some elements that are pretty cringy uh -huh. like whenever they joke about the war of northern aggression yeah yeah like I've heard that terminology used before yeah and you get the sense that it's employed ironically but all the same like this being a book written before the advent of the internet right you kind of get the the sense that a lot of stuff is being taken for granted and that what sort of progressive platitudes are thrown about with regards to like burgeoning awareness of 
social injustice and racism and what have you is still kind of lacking it it, it is um yeah and i i mean i noticed that too but i don't know i feel like maybe cuz you know in, in terms of the the language and the awareness that we you know pretty much use on a daily basis now like that yeah. trickles down from academia sure and that trickle down effect from academia takes generations before it is yeah. before it is in the like fully like in the before it's in the the like the public vernacular sure i get i guess i get that and uh, it's not like certainly the book is not entirely about dealing with those tropes like a good deal of it is just about susan's sort of romantic travails yeah and it's all very much grounded in like sort of soft romance uh tropes and stuff like that yeah so that's very much like a more secure wheelhouse uh for the author to be operating in Uh uh-huh and uh i feel like the aspects of like her and tom's sort of relationship and her uh sort of moving on towards other romantic encounters is handled a bit more gracefully Mm-hmm. Not that, not, not to say that like the character of Livy feels wholly sort of like off base. I feel like it is a fairly like well constructed character, though to the degrees to which she carries certain uh, characterizations can be. Uh, Uh, sort of debatable Mm -hmm. yeah but um, what was your favorite part of the book oh um. because I actually have one you share yours because I got to think about it I can I can very specifically note the part of the book that uh, I thought like actually sort of caught me off guard was the passage it's a chapter when susan is visiting her sister maggie at the house on sullivan's island Uh uh-huh and it is at a point when maggie has become convinced that her husband is having an affair yeah and so basically susan goes out there to assuage her doubts or to assure her that like nothing is certain yet and she just needs to be frank with her husband about her concerns and stuff like that and then you get this uh this scene probably like no more than a few pages really where uh i guess susan sort of has a breakthrough with regards to the nature of her relationship with tom Uh and about like the way it sort of uh spun out from her general relationships with men throughout her life yeah going back to the relationship she had with her dad and the conflict that existed there and the parts of herself that she really sort of allowed to be open and vulnerable Mm -hmm. 
and it just seemed like a really sort of like the most open and like self interrogating aspect of the book yeah and uh yeah that was just a part that like by extension of that sort of like managed to engage me like in the moment yeah yeah uh, so that was a part i thought worked pretty well and see i like i i did like that part but i just but i feel like i liked it for different reasons cuz i feel like i liked it because during that scene i just kind of had this feeling that like maggie didn't really understand what susan was saying okay and and it's one of those things where it's like you've had this realization about yourself and you are trying to tell somebody else about it but because there are multiple layers to this realization trying to communicate what it is that you have discovered and then supporting it with all the different layers can be confounding for some people and I mean you know you would think her sister would be able to understand um, right off the bat because like they grew up together and you know Susan's realization was very very much involved their father and like obviously that's Maggie's father too but I don't know I just kind of felt like um, I just kind of felt like Maggie like said she understood but like didn't really understand which is a very normal thing to happen sure um so i think honestly i think my favorite part of the book like it was not particularly deep or anything um i thought the scene with roger was really hilarious oh goodness the date with roger i i was cackling reading that (laughs) scene yeah without spoiling too much basically it's a uh, a date she goes on with this man that she's sort of had some chemistry with but that goes to some very like intense and unexpected places you know i've read a lot of romance and i i can yeah. i can say i have never read a scene like that yeah and not wholly like on the same note but uh but uh, a point that I wanted to touch on uh, in that first chapter where uh, like Tom has just been outed as cheating on Susan and she's sort of in the process of kicking him out Yeah. there's this scene where she takes his toothbrush and like rubs it all over the toilet and gets it all gross mm-hmm. and then she pees in his cologne yeah yeah okay and I, it just feels like like between that and stuff like the poop pie and um, the help yeah or uh, like stuff like uh, was it still magnolias where they cooked the guy uh, fried green tomatoes fried green tomatoes that was it it feels like there's a weird like scatological streak through a lot of southern fiction yeah yeah and uh i just wonder if that's like sort of a documented element or not or if there's like any deeper significance to that it just feels like there's definitely a pattern yeah um i remember you know and and i guess it's happened to people but like i remember talking to a coworker when i was 
working in the low country when I first started teaching he was a he was a custodian and we were talking about just growing up and uh, he said that he remembered being in school and the teacher got a phone call and so she walked out of the classroom and that the little boy who you know got in trouble who like was always getting in trouble for stuff he went up to her desk and he like peed in her in her drink oh no and she came back to the classroom and she drank out of her drink and she realized what had happened and I mean obviously and like the kid got expelled um yeah but I I, I don't know like did do Yankees not do that like I don't know yeah I don't know maybe it's like yeah it does seem weird like where you sort of source that from yeah yeah anyway I mean certainly I mean that clearly this book's got a lot of stuff to mull over yeah and uh I mean if it's the kind of thing people would be inclined to check out I certainly wouldn't dissuade them I didn't didn't I I enjoyed my time reading it fairly well it was a pretty brisk read yeah it was yeah I uh, read a good bit of it uh, over the weekend, so probably didn't take me more than like collectively like five, six hours. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so that was Sullivan's Island. You got anything else you want to say? Not really. All right. Well, thank you for assigning this book. Yeah. And uh, this one's for you, Mom. Happy to have read it. Yeah. And now I believe we're due for another reading challenge. Or Mm -hmm. did you want to save that for after we do the word total? Yeah, let's do word totals first. Okay. Well, I, uh, like I said, I I just finished Sullivan's Island this week. And so my present word total uh, is 2,022,367. Woohoo! Yeah. But unfortunately, for the first time this year, I believe, that puts me behind where I was this time last year. Mm. Uh, although, to be fair, that um, a lot of that had to do with the fact that this time last year, I had just finished the Game of Thrones challenge you had assigned. Oh, yeah. And, um... And... Uh, part of that challenge was watching the first season of the television show in addition to reading the book. Yep. And as a result of that, I got double uh, double word bonus for that mm-hmm. book. So, strictly speaking, I am one hundred a little over 100,000 words behind where I was last year. Mm-hmm. But taking that challenge into account, I'm still probably mostly on par okay and relative to my total word total last year i am about 45 percent of the way towards that goal okay so yeah still still on a good pace yeah um in the in the in the interim since our last regular episode uh i've read five books including sullivan's island um, which brings my subtotal to 306,138 words, which brings my total for the year up to 4,293,464 words, 
um, which has which has me sitting at forty three percent of where I, of uh, last year's word total. Okay, so that's the word totals taken care of. Yep. And uh, now we just gotta get our new challenge on the books. Yep. Um, okay, so for our new challenge, uh, June is Pride Month. All right. So, in honor of Pride Month, um, we are going to be reading Cemetery Boys by Aiden Thomas. Okay. Oh, yeah, I've heard of this. It's like the the gay romance between a guy and a ghost. Uh, between a trans man and a ghost. Right. Yes. Okay, that'll be cool. All right. So and, yeah, uh, look forward to checking that out. Is that a? That's not a graphic novel, is it? Um. It is not. No. It, okay. The, the cover. Like heard... The cover kind of looks a little graphic novelly, but no, it's not. Okay. Yeah. I. I feel like I'd heard about it in conversation with some um, LGBTQ plus uh, graphic novel books. Mm-hmm. And so I just sort of conflated them in my mind. But, uh, yeah, I'm definitely down for checking that out, and I look forward to talking about it. And uh, y'all can look forward to our next episode in a couple of weeks when we'll be talking about uh, 100 Years of Solitude. Yep. And uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. Elizabeth, you can let us know where they can uh, find us. Yeah, so you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Literally Club at Your Words Podcast. Um, you can find us on our website at yourwordspodcast.com and you can email us questions or recommendations, questions, comments, or recommendations to yourwordspodcast at And I've been your co-host, Elizabeth Connor. Bye. Bye.